Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. Thank you for inviting us once again into your beautiful library. I'm, I feel more at home here every week that I spend sleeping on the floor. I, d- I did offer you the option of the leather armchair, but it kind of requires a particular pose. It's a look. I don't know that I'm ready for that. And then and then people sort of expect me to, to also be wearing a, a bathrobe and puffing a pipe. And you did explicitly say say no smoking next to the... Not near the grimoires. I honestly, I don't get it. Like, it's just that... You don't want to take any chances. Things might happen and someone's imagination might run away with them and you never know. Oh, dear. Well, all the dangerous books are in the cage anyway, so don't worry about (laughs) (laughs) that. You've taken a book off your shelves for us today, not from the cage. What can oh, you tell no, us? no, no. So today's book is, it's Catherine Kurtz, Denery Checkmate. Hold on, this, this confused me immediately. So did Denery Checkmate write a book about Catherine Kurtz? Because Catherine Kurtz is in it. Denery is the name of the country. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Neary, the Neary Checkmate. No, it's the Checkmate. It's like right. there is one Checkmate uh, uh, relative to Denery. Denery, pardon me. And there is no Denery. Kurt Dorini. Catherine, this was a very good bit, oh, and we made a course. good choice to yes, <laughs> Kurtz. I think we're all course. very. I think so, we're all enjoying this very much. Maybe we can look it up in the New York Times because apparently the author of this book wrote another book, which is a bestseller. This one isn't it. Okay, but we, so we, but you picked this one and not the one that's a New York Times bestseller. Couldn't didn't know in which by which author to look it up. This was on my. All we have to do is look at all the New York Times bestselling exactly. authors, and we'll find out. But what if they're hold on? But what if I doubt, they're, bo- I doubt they're both on there? Yeah, nobody's called. Catherine. <laughs> if you're if you look at your podcasting device, you should should be seeing the uh, uh, the cover art there. And if not, you can look in the show notes for a link and an image. The cover is a bit of a mishmash. Just how we like them. There's a lot happening on the front. So we, we, we're clearly seeing two of the main characters here, Egbert and Claudio. In a pivotal scene of the story. Uh, Pivot is right, because they are at this moment suspended on a giant set of scales, teetering back and forth. You can see the, you can see the chains Absolutely. up there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're holding up the, 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 the balance thing. And this, like, you're thinking, like, are these really small people, or is this really big scales? And you would be thinking, correct. <laughs> Correctly. <laughs> oh, I get it now. Scales and the, and the issue of scale. Uh-huh. There we Thematic go. foreshadowing. Good job. Possibly Catherine Kurtz, possibly Dorini Checkmate. Oh yeah, that's one more thing. That's, it says revised and expanded by the author. The book originally was a short story. It does make sense. I, like, I honestly felt that Claudio's subplot felt a little tacked on. No, not tacked on, but not as... It didn't feel as essential as, as, as Egbert's plotline. Obviously, Egbert's story, which we'll get to in a second, is much more traditional for the, uh, the hero's journey, the discovery of uh, royal heritage that he didn't know about, mm-hmm. being, uh, having the mantle of command thrust upon him, whereas Claudio, the Lion Knight, is much more straightforward. Right. And that's and that's where the where the cover goes goes a little bit wrong because Egbert is the one wearing the mantle and Claudio isn't. It might imply a homoerotic relationship, you know, it's kind of like wearing someone else's sweater, which I'm just like Is that a thing? I'm shipping this into the book. I didn't know that wearing somebody else's sweater. Hold on, that's the one I'm it's stuck on. It's a boy-girl thing. It's like uh, so yeah, maybe I'm just shipping it. Uh, I'm Oh, but that's very sweet though. It, it's not quite Prince and the Pauper because it's more the prince. Because you have a prince and a and a knight and oh, prince and a battle royal battle mage. Uh, you know, oh, he's the mage. 
Ah, yes, yeah. of course. The the the, the, the knight in the, shining battle armor with his battalion of spellcasters and. Hey, hang on! I can't find a way to stay in character and ask which one you think Claudio and Egbert are. <laughs> we we already established that. Did we? Pointed Egbert, Egbert Claudio. Egbert is the guy who... Wait, and then who's the one in the middle? That's his wizard. We haven't talked about him yet. You said battle mage. No, that's the him. Him is the battle mage. He's just a wizard. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm down with it. Okay, no, we're... No, we're good. This confusion, like you can understand, fucking everyone in the book is a, is a toe-headed, blonde young man. Yes. It's with almost, one exception, obviously. The artist was borrowing rather heavily from Star Wars. I get a very big, yes. help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're, you're my, my only, only hope, yes. vibe very from much this so. thing. That's so I'm, I'm thinking Oh, like, but that places Egbert in the role of Luke, and I rather like that. True, true. This is the, he's the dopey farm boy. Yep. Loves and, milk. And, you know, the book was, like, the book was originally released in the early 80s, so that Gosh, kind, he of, loves milk. kind of fixed. Oh, yes, he's from, the, no, I'm not going to say Planet of the Milk-Fed Boys. I wonder if anyone will get that. Hey, email us if you get that. So what we see here, is where Claudio and Egbert they have uh, they have met. Egbert has had his uh, his destiny revealed to him. We'll we'll get to how he got there in a second. Mm-hmm. And they discover the prophetic message. Well, he's already sitting on the lion throne. Claudio is wearing a, a lion cuirass. Cuirass, cuirass. I think it's a tabard actually, but uh, it's one of those things that you, that you hang over the armor. Oh, mm. I'm Kay. I know all the bits of Ooh. fantasy clothing. <laughs> See, there is a little bit of that uh, Prince and the Pauper. Claudio being the renowned battle mage who has fled his country for... Yes. I mean, Egbert is just sitting there like, dude, who are you? Like, Don't be in Slack, George. Where's, yes, what, what, what's, like, what, what's this suddenly popping out of my, my, my table? Because to finish up the scene, the detailing on the table and on the columns uh, behind us, that's a clear sort of snake scale pattern. Mm-hmm. This is the snake-themed stronghold. And finding there a lion throne... Uh, matching his tabard, do we say? To Claudio is, of course, a very significant uh, uh, find, and Egbert has no idea. The weird anyone. scallion type. Uh, scallion. No, scallions are the things you eat, isn't it? Isn't that fruit de mer? And a scallion is someone who. No, you're thinking of scallops. Scallops. Scallions you also eat, but those are the little oniony things. Oniony oh, garlicky. Right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine me knowing a kitchen thing. Uh. The book starts off with Egbert in his role of peasant. Plenty. Yeah, How just an ordinary farm yeah. boy, or, yeah. much like Luke Skywalker, as you referenced, the book, living wa- with his aunt and uncle. The book waffles for a bit about the, the, the chores of daily life and how boring everything is. And his love of milk. Uh, and his love of milk. His, his dream of working in a dairy instead of a Just uh, having the one old decrepit cow that his aunt and uncle have in the back. Oh, it was a cow. I thought it was a really fucked up goat. <laughs> Cue a flashback to... Several weeks earlier, except this time it's Claudio, who is uh, rapidly leaving the castle, chased by no less than his own uh, troops. I think it's one of the one of the better scenes in the book, to be honest. Well, I think so too. It's it's very exciting. It's and, and the author does a good job, Dorini. It's Mr. Just, or Mrs. Checkmate. It's, 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 <laughs> it's not just a car chase on a horse. Uh, there's also. Uh, I particularly like the way that it was suggested that he was holding back. He was pulling his punches, oh. even as he was launching fireballs and. Right. Uh, Causing trees to grow and ensnare. Because there is men. There's like yeah. he, he's the one. He's been in charge of these men. He's trained them in a lot of cases. And I well, think they're not believe, pulling their punches in return. Well, they're not. No, but 
Uh, so he's we, we the know rock the slide that's being caused by the oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's like what we later find out is his lieutenant, also a battle mage. So we swap back and forth in perspective between Egbert's utterly pedestrian everyday life, alternated with Claudio's evolution from a from an exiled battle mage to a, a frail husk of a man who's worn down by shame and hopelessness. Uh, the great shame brought upon him, which still not uh, not delivered to us, the reader, where he he still insists on wearing the uh, uh, the regalia of his nation that has rejected him, the Lion Nation, Daenerys, the titular. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah, okay. I suppose that Catherine is named after the country. Uh, it would be wait, kind of like having Kim, kind of like having Kim Holland. Do you think this author named herself after a country that she wrote in this in this book? Odds are that it's the other way around. No, I think you're right. What, no, you I'm know. with you. I'm with you 100%. So we have right. the, yes, because we have the snake nation of Kurtz and we have the lion nation of uh, Darini. Uh, and they finally meet. And it is just a, a question of uh, down on his luck, Claudio stumbling drunkenly into a barn and being found... Shirtless and glistening. I get where your shipping is coming from. Shirtless and glistening by uh, uh, by young Egbert minding his uh, his chores uh, on a very important day where he's supposed to take his beloved cow. You said yes, cow, uh, not a fucked up goat, off to uh, uh, off to slaughter, much to his dismay. There's no real reason for this other than that, like you know, it's all for Claudio to learn more about Egbert's backstory yeah. so that he can put two and two together and realize that this boy fulfills an ancient prophecy known only to the battle mages of... Okay, yeah, fine. He leads the boy toward his destiny, uh, no, deceives right. him, yes. mm-hmm. leading him to the ruins of the uh, uh, the former oh. snake temple. They uh, they get let there, or chased there. They, they, they dodge the occasional patrol of the, yeah, uh, this is... the, battle, the battle mages who are clearly still on the lookout for Claudio. They seem to be bandits to us, but yeah, from Claudio's responses... Those are probably his uh, his old crew still yep. on the uh, on the hunt, disguising themselves because they're in unfriendly territory. Something which he never really does. He doesn't disguise himself. So I'm, I think he, he he counts on the fact that they're uh, that that his that the people here don't know that he's a uh, that he's being chased off out of his own country. And he's he's still no. But what I mean is he's still he's still got the lion crest. Yeah. That is a that is a yeah, a hostile I mean. symbol. Right. In, but it's an oppressor symbol, exactly. and, and he, he counts on that having power, and that nobody's going to mess with him. Yeah, but he's a see. I don't buy that. He's on his own. That makes you a, that makes you a target of opportunity. Mm, yeah, it's it's it's, it's 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 not the troubles. It's so into the temple. This is supposed to be thrilling, but there is an Torch, endless series lights, of torchlight, endless series of puzzles cub, that they have cub, to solve. Cobwebs, yeah, a uh, oh, strange creature that they befriend. Felt like it never a bit of a rip of the Chamber of Secrets. It predates yes, it by twenty yes, years, but yeah, still well. felt like a rip off. <laughs> Claudio Snake becomes... starts with an S, but not in a lion language. <laughs> <laughs> the arrogant man shall pass. Now that was an interesting construction. Uh, that only by raising your chin higher do you miss the blade. Mm. I want to know how that works. I've been tried to sketch it out and my pencil caught fire. Were you in the cage at the time? No, I wasn't. Well, maybe that's where you should have been. Yeah. It's the Faraday effect of... It uh, might, I'll try that next time. Long story short, because that really is a lot that can be, can be skipped. I know it's the meat and potatoes of the entire second act, but who cares? 
All of it is to get into the, the chamber of scales, which now that I think about it, scales, snake, scales, uh, uh, giant, scales, also the fact that it's on a, uh, on a, on a, on a plateau suspended uh, by, oh, she's really piling it on our... Oh, absolutely. Uh, m- m- Miss Catherine did checkmate. No, Dorini. Really... Uh, yeah, oh. Catherine no, checkmate. Kurtz, Kurtz I like that. They sound like rival ballet instructors. Great. All right, that's the one. That's yes, the one. Catherine yes, checkmate. That's Miss checkmate. <laughs> into the scales, and of course... Egbert does his young, foolhardish running, rushing forward, despite the fact that it's nearly cost him five fingers already. He never realizes how much danger he's in because Claudio's always there, just in the nick of time, firing off his spells, firing and off his, like, yes, protecting and, him and just like stopping the blundering buffoon from losing more than a finger. So good old Claudio, uh, sorry, Egbert, my bad. So good old Claudio. Uh, <laughs> Wow, that's going great. Yeah, let's so go. good old Egberts blunders onto the scales, sends them teetering down into the abyss, yep. leaving Egbert standing on the. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Would so, it be easier if we re-record the entire first half of this podcast? So good old Egbert, good old Egbert blunders his way onto the scales, which sends him teetering down towards the abyss, leaving Claudio standing on the preface, gazing down at the dwindling light and hearing the weird rushing sound of the other set of the scales on coming up. On the preface, that's you right, because the other set of scales was shaped like a giant horse penis, wasn't it? Preface you mean precipice? Precipice. No, nope, but you said preface now. <laughs> standing on the on the on the floppy wobbly, I th- I thought we were going to get out of this episode without an explicit rating. But here we go. So much for that one. Um, <laughs> a giant sculpture of a, of a horse penis. It's a mythical horse. Third kingdom. And that, uh, That's right. Kingdom of the horse. The kingdom of the horse that has historically kept the peace between these two warring nations, which explains why the lion throne is in the... In the snake's lair. In the, in the, in the snake's in, lair. In the snake yeah. castle. Maybe. Long missing from his nation. Right, yes. Vanished with the, uh, the last scion of their, uh, their royal house, which the prophecies that he's been associating with Egbert have been very non-specific. And since he was in the snake nation of Kurtz, he believed that he was a, 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 a snake prince. Of course he believed it. You can finish this podcast on your own now. No. I think we're done. I think this is it. This is it, Kay. What? You know exactly what. So, of Kurt... Of course. Of course. Oh, damn it. Of course. So, to great, his great surprise, yes. Egbert and the throne come back up uh, from the abyss. Egbert uh, has seemed to have managed to activate the device on the table in front of him. He's apparently completely oblivious to the whole wibbly-wobbly, scaly thingy wobble, uh, As he going up and down. all of the puzzles that have occurred so far. When he sees, hovering above the table... Okay, it's not a hologram. It's a hologram. It's a hologram. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only, only it's hope. Uh, of his old mentor... Hervé, actually it becomes quite clear that it's a more of an interactive recording than an actual, you have to ask oh, the right... Oh yeah, I think it's described right, as a little scrape of his personality. Yes, that it, you have to ask the right questions before you get the answers. Yeah, Those. I kind of liked the, the, the description that it is a, a representation of the, of the knowledge that the, 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 yeah, wizard, the wizard was holding in his mind at the time that he was making this, right. uh, uh, this recording. So it's a testament to Hervé uh, just how much knowledge he was able to uh, uh, to keep in his mind of the English language or the, whatever the language is supposed to be that's represented For- as English. Fortunately, the book does not go on about like the differences in made-up languages and how one word word means one thing in the blue language and the other thing means thing or something in the green language. I thought that would have been nice, but okay, yeah. It's, I, I, I it's, do. It's, it, it often it becomes a discussion in like how many words can the 
uh, writer invent for common things. I just it, like it. What can I say? It's, it's such a cheap trope, and it often doesn't work. You can call it a trope, but that's reality. Like there's there's languages, and they're just wild, and they can be the slightest misunderstanding. You know, the slightest right. differences can cause a misunderstanding. True, but it doesn't. You don't necessarily have to bore the the, the reader with all of it. Well, uh, some of us are thrilled. Okay. So some of us weren't thrilled by its absence here. It is your right to be offended. It is. Wait, no. I was I was just reaching a nice little compromise okay. compromise with my co-host. Mm. Egbert, then... Now, he still has no idea about the symbolism of the throne that he was sitting on. He still thinks that he's the snake prince. Yes, absolutely. And Claudio lets him believe it. He realises Egbert is foretold to restore the... Uh, the Denerian, Denerian uh, monarchy. Which is existed which before the split into the Lion and the Snake Kingdom. Facilitated by the Horse Kingdom. Wow, we're good at this. <laughs> at this point, the title of the book starts becoming relevant to the Whichever story. Whichever one that is, because this is where Catherine enters the story. Catherine checkmates. <laughs> <laughs> no, Claudio's old lieutenant. Catherine, has been, who's been uh, leading this band of disguised uh, uh, battle mages from Dorini... Wow, I got it all together. Oh, we're re- uh, turns out turns out to be the lieutenant that was chasing him in the in the beginning in, in the, the beginning in the scene, opening sequence. Yes, was, who was who caused the uh, the rock slide and who caused the flood. Right. In this case as well, like she just immediately ingratiates herself with uh, with Egbert mm-hmm. and she trusts Claudio not to fuck her over. I'm not entirely sure why. Exactly. I mean, it's going to work on Egbert, obviously. If I had Claudio at this point, I would have gotten that battle sword out and uh, she wasn't attacking him. And, and he's still clearly loyal to the Lion... Well, now it turns out the Lion Throne, the Lion Monarchy. Yeah, and that's when the, when the book turns into like less adventure novel and a little and bit more, more political drama. And a psychological tug of war between who do you like more, mummy or daddy? With Egbert as the pawn, well, despite yes. his royal title. He gets maneuvered into the position where he has to, like, the Tuxwang, you know, you have to make a move. Yeah. But each move, it, it's only going to make your situation worse, whatever you do. Uh, Claudio is going through the same issue because because he's still trying to protect Egbert by uh, uh, protecting him from some pretty complicated political realities, putting him in a position where he is much more easily manipulated because by Because he's kind of keeping him dumb. Catherine is doing exactly the opposite. He's overburdening him with information. She never says anything that's false. She's entirely truthful. Tell the well, truth, but not the whole truth. Yeah, exactly. She, 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 she never completely misleads. So there's, there's And she's always undermining Claudio, you know? With like, oh, he wouldn't do this, or he'd never let someone do that. Uh, it's, the, it's the same deal. Yes, he was defrocked. He was excommunicated. He mm. He was he was banished, uh, and for good reason. Ethically, he was in the right. Legally, he wasn't. Yeah, well, no, because it was like you know disobeying orders. Which places Egbert in his most important moral quandary as the appointed heir to the uh, to the throne. I mean, she places that uh, uh, Catherine places that burden on his shoulders to decide whether to pardon Claudio, which he can just do. Which she right. But, you know, it's like, oh, you sure don't want to do this? You, you want to, like, be that kind of yeah. ruler? The, the Arbitrarily bestows mercy upon someone on that he friends. knows and likes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That sounds like a clientelism or... A nepotism? Nepotism. I think that's, I think that's, that's literally... Family, but yeah. Yeah, I think, like, it's... It literally means nephew favorite. Oh, right. So that's why the client... So this is where Claudio comes back. And Claudio has been losing ground in Egbert's heart for uh, uh, for half the book now. Yes. Because Catherine has been so... Uh, uh, Charming and persuasive and, and manipulative and honest. And honest. Well, I mean, all of it. All of it together. Yes, Manipulation yes, through honesty. Yeah, it's no, very, uh, I like that. 
Claudio has has obviously been holding things back and and withholding information, like deliberately uh, uh, withholding information that uh, that Catherine seizes on as like an obvious lack of trust in Claudio's part. Yeah. But meanwhile, um, he's been stoking her obsession with fulfilling this this prophecy so much that when they cross paths with uh, uh, the young man Daphith, okay, now I honestly believe that he was planning this whole time to encounter some other country bumpkin. It, it just happened to be uh, uh, the milk boy Daphith. Daphith. Oh, milk again. Yeah. Romantic Oof. subplot number two. Well, <laughs> who fit, more importantly, God, Claudio is a slut, more importantly, who fits the, the, the prophecy even better, or at least the aspects that most speak to the imagination, the, again, blonde, golden hair, already crowned. He has a, a snake bite, snake tattoo. He has, a, he has all of those uh, attributes already. already. I never really made that assertion. The whole blonde hair, already crowned. And, and Daphith is even blonder and even more golden, even more toe-headed, and speaks much more to the, at least the visual aspect of the prophecy, and importantly, is a better sell for uh, for Catherine. If she wants to come home with the uh, with the Lion Prince, right. better that he's from their side of the border than yeah, the other side, like it's less complicated, more attractive, yeah. divides her attention, which obviously uh, uh, provides an opportunity for Claudio to point out to Egbert how fickle her, uh, uh, her loyalties are. Knowing how Catherine tends to... Uh extend her gambits, how she like, likes to play exactly. right on the edge. I mean, he knows her. He's, he's trained her. And right at exactly. the end, he's there at the, with the big long knife and going... <laughs> <laughs> I can see why they advertised saying that it was by New York Times best-selling author X and Y, because this book wasn't going to get on that list. The, the, the twist was good at the end. It was great. Yeah. Uh, they, she wrapped it up very well. Do you think... Because you mentioned there was uh, uh, that you shipped Claudio and Egbert. Yes. So... Do you think that Claudio was trying to defeat Catherine, or that he just really wanted to continue, you know, his relationship with uh, Chaste as it was well, with, with Egbert? Do you think that he genuinely believed that Egbert was the uh, fulfilled the prophecy, or did he just want to get his crush away from uh, the competition? To be honest, I don't think uh, it, it's irrelevant because either person could have made him uh, could could have fulfilled the prophecy from his standpoint. So yes, he was definitely going for his little bit of side chick. <laughs> uh, and uh, doing the uh, making sure that Egbert ended up on no, not but on Egbert top, made but it through well, <laughs> definitely not that but Egbert made it through all the trials in, yeah. the, in, in the snake castle yes absolutely. well only because Which, Claudio was like kicking him through those trials uh, but didn't he I mean prophecies are not known to be true, discriminatory true, true. for true. how you like, get there as, as long, long as you get as there as long as you get to the end result yeah this is true none of which uh, uh, Catherine was there to see no but, you know, uh, I always got the impression that Catherine was just kind of like hovering around waiting for it to happen. And either they come out both or they don't come out both. And if they don't come out both, then one of them has died and the prophecy has been met. And if they do come out both, then either they've yeah, given yeah, yeah. up. But, she, but wasn't, she, she wasn't party to anything that happened inside. No. And I think, honestly, this is something that the writer... Did we say Catherine Checkmate? Yeah, we did. Catherine Let's say Kurtz Dineri from now on. Kurtz Dineri. Kurtz Dineri? Dineri. Kurtz Derner could have seized on this opportunity. Maybe it's Dorini. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Dorini is fine. Okay, Dorini is a Finnish mononym. Kurtz sounds... It's German. Oh, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. What a good, entertaining comedy podcast we're, we're making for our, our loyal readers at home. Our listeners at home, I suppose. I yes, you're right. The I've just been well. erroneously called them readers this whole time. As, a, as a, No, it's a little affectation. Oh, I'm including I'm them. I'm, so, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't know. You should a, tell me about those little, things. So, all in all, 
How would you review this book? Well, I think we just spent half an hour doing that, didn't we? No, we, uh, like, we're counting it blow by blow, but we have oh, to give a score. Right. I think oh, previously you gave it out of pie, so we're, now we're dealing with snake. What's a good snake number? Seven's a good snake number. Out of seven. I'll give it a five out of seven. Okay, just to be just to be extra complicated. Like I said, the whole Zugzwang is like the... Bit of a discovered check. See, yeah. I know a chess thing as well. Oh. Zugzwang. I liked, I've got to say, I've, I've got a soft spot for an intelligent villain, and Catherine was certainly that. Yep. She seized upon the opportunities, she stuck to the, the, the principles, she played a very, very good game. Claudia was just a little bit better, but it's the old, you know, love and loyalty will win out over uh, uh, opportunistic intelligence. Well... It was more of like uh, old age and treachery will win over youth and skill. No, I'm, I'm and I'm romantic enough to to appreciate that uh, that there is room for for heart over brains. Mm. Do you want to make a sex joke? Go ahead and make a sex joke. Oh, I would. I think that Egbert finally gets his milk desire fulfilled by uh, Claudio. Because uh, it has been a while. Okay, well, I, I think that about covers it. Uh, thank you for joining us on Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed, but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay, and remember, Very good podcast, I guess. <laughs>